I'm here with Sunita Semi. So welcome back to this podcast, Sunita. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, John. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks again for coming back. You were on this previously doing a podcast on diversity, which I thought was a really interesting one. And what did you want to talk about today? Well, the reason I'd like to talk today to you is something actually that's quite, that actually happened to me last year. I, the title of the, the podcast is How to Deliver a Training Program Where Everyone Wins. I was asked to do a training program for a company uh, last year in September. And actually on the day of the training, two people, one was a sponsor, another person was the HR director, told me that nobody wanted to be there. Really? On, on the day? On the day. and um, Not a good start, is it? Not a good start at all. And that really, it just got me thinking, you know, what was that all about? And then a month later, I worked for another company and the training process and the experience couldn't have been more different where everybody was engaged, everybody was on board. And then I realized that this was a learning for me, what what I could pass on to other people. Okay, so, so this is trying to understand what the difference between those two or, the, or I should say this actually started with or inspired you when by understanding the difference between those two experiences yes because I think once you're hired as a trainer if the training let's put it in inverted commas fails it's it's really the onus is on the trainer so what I realize is that there are really sort of three main steps to the training and these three phases I would say are equally important and the first is pre-work, uh, the second is the day of the training, and the third is the post-work. And I'd really like to share my thoughts with other people. Okay, because I think when you're an external trainer, and I've seen this in organisations, with external trainer, there is no engagement until the day itself, and there is no engagement following it. And they may come in and do a great course, but they don't seem to have any longer-term commitment to the learning or to the organisation. But you're saying that actually that longer-term commitment is a as a huge part of how you would succeed or everybody's a winner as you said it absolutely and I think that actually is key to engage them before the training I think you're right a lot of external trainers as myself have you know show up on the day do their thing and then leave and what I have learned uh, since that experience is I actually engage with the participants before they arrive on the day so I know who they are I know what they do and I know what their expectations are I think actually listening to you just say that then I realised I was being a bit unfair because actually I think internal trainers do that as well. Yes. I don't think there's any real difference. No, no, exactly. No, it's just it's just being in a way you're you're doing a service to yourself. The 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 clearer and the more sort of I suppose elaborate the pre work is, you're you're helping yourself on the day as well as the participants. Okay, so that that's how you split it up as well into the pre-work, the day itself, and the and the after, the post-work. So, do you want us to just start with the pre-work? What what is your tips or learning that you've got from that that you'd like to share? Well, first of all, um, I think when I first of all when I when I meet the HR or the learning development or the sponsor, I think I really ask that I ask the question: Why do they want the training? We might they might start with reason A why they want the training and actually uh, during talks it might come out that there are other reasons why and this is really important to keep asking questions and challenging and exploring the reasons why they want the training it gives them a, a much clearer awareness about why they want to do the training and what they hope the training will give the participants 
For example, it might be about uh, a product, it might be for employee retention, it might be related to workplace performance. The, the, The questions are really to find out what is the purpose what is what are the objectives of the training? So, so it's asking why. It's not just taking the assignment and 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 then just doing something generic. It's really and then digging into that why as well. Exactly. So asking asking why again and why again to get to the real kind of root of of exactly why it's happening. Yeah, and, and you're almost being like a detective. You're really uncovering um, layers and questioning and challenging. And in actual fact. A lot of the people I work with in the learning development sponsors really like the fact that I spend time with them asking why. And I'm curious to find out why, what's going on, because sometimes it's not clear for learning development why a sponsor, why a manager wants to do the training. And very often they're hidden agendas which are coming out or might be a byproduct of the training. And this is this is essential. This is crucial for us to know um, as trainers. I, I like the, the detective analogy. I, I was immediately wanted to do it as soon as you said that. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's you're 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 batting for the same team all the time. It's not you know investigating to prove them wrong. It's investigation to help them deliver their message. But it also helps them art- articulate it. They may not have really thought about it in yes. clear terms. They may have just thought, "I want to put on some training because yes. I need to be seen to be providing some L and D." There may not be much thought behind that. So actually, it, it may, there may be a hidden agenda, as you rightly say, but there may be kind of zero agenda, Absolutely. which is a kind of different kind of problem. Absolutely. So it's just finding out, really getting them, really getting them to talk about what they want, what their expectations are, what they, you know, what are the opportunities, what are the objectives, what are the obstacles. I always have the three O's, and that's really important. Sometimes they want the training to be aligned with their business goals. And then they say, well, actually, it could be just a team building exercise. So it's it's just getting very, very clear about what they want. Okay. And those three O's were objectives, opportunities, and... Um, obstacles. Obstacles. Thank you. I was hoping I'd remember it as I started talking <laughs> through it. <laughs> so um, so that's really crucial. Then once I'm... I've... Can I just say that, just interject there for a second? because. Yeah, sure. um you know, whenever everybody talks about evaluation and the problems of evaluation, all the problems I think tend to stem from where people don't start with that objective in mind, start with the end in mind, or mm. however you however you want to phrase it, mm. because a lot of the time it isn't articulated. Mm. So, mm. If, you know, as a precursor for evaluation, and in a previous podcast we talked about that with um, with Merle van der Voorde. Mm. As a as a precursor to evaluation, you need to have had to think about actually what are we trying to achieve here. Mm. And if you're trying to achieve just getting all together in a room and just getting to know each other, fine. But at least you're clear about the objective. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't measure it. Exactly. Which you might not. Well, I mean, you might not want to measure it, and that's fair enough too. But if you do want to do any kind of evaluation, you do need to have an idea of what the objective is. Absolutely. I think. Um, I think. I. I I feel in the work that I've done so far, this is this is really, really well received by HR and learning development and the sponsor, uh, because people need to be heard, and um, and people also have a have a platform where they can give clarity to their to their objectives. So it's very positive. Yeah, I think it's a very professional way to start as well. Absolutely. The next phase is the the pre work part two, I suppose, which is. I suppose it's here. The pre-work one is with the 
L&D and the sponsor and pre-work too is with the participants. So here I would email all the participants and I would ask them to describe their role um, in the company. And I might send a a questionnaire, a simple questionnaire about, again, what are their opportunities, what are the the obstacles for learning and what are their objectives for the training day. It's not easy because sometimes some of the participants don't write back. I give a deadline and I really encourage them in the email to say, this is about them. I want to know more about them. And the more I know about them, the more I can help them achieve their training objectives. Yeah, I think it's really good to get that conversation ball rolling and start the kind of relationship building. Absolutely. Before before you start and get people thinking, because you know that thing that trainers always do when they start the day and they say, right, we need to think about your objectives and we'll get them up on the flip chart. And then you kind of deliver the same old training course anyway. So unless you know the objectives in advance... I mean, all right, you can improvise, you can, to some extent, adapt. Mm. But but obviously, the more opportunity you've got to research and plan mm. based on your knowledge of their objectives, then, then the better it's going to be. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, and you can even take it a step further if you if you want to, where, for example, I did last year, I actually emailed the participants and then spoke to four of the direct reports on the telephone to find out what they were concerned about in their teams. And so I was really homing in to what mattered to them. And I think it's just about, it's about having no surprises on the day. It's having an idea of a really clear idea of what is really going on. So, you know, the the sponsor might tell you or HR might tell you the objective is better collaboration And actually, the direct report might tell you on the telephone, you know, what I'm worried about is that people aren't engaged. And I want to know why my team are not engaged. And some people have been there for a long time and they are they lack motivation or I'm worried about some of the introverted people in my team. Whatever it is, that's that's data. That's great feedback for you to work with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that digging the deeper thing, although it's quite resource intensive, I guess you can't always do it for everybody. But the quality of data you're going to get is going to be quite uh, quite good. You know, it is resource intensive. Intensive. Sorry, I said that again. Uh, excuse me, I'll start again. It is resource intensive, but actually you save yourself a lot of time on the day. Well, you do, uh, and, and you sort of don't in the sense of I think you deliver a better quality day, but the amount of time it takes to do it would probably be the same. Yes, and well, yes, you're right. But I think also with um, with uh, a market, for example, like in Switzerland, where most business is word of mouth, it's extremely important to get, deliver a quality service training. Oh yeah, I could see how it benefits in that sense of actually doing your job better, yeah. and, therefore, <laughs> and therefore getting better feedback. But I just, I also just think that just even if the quality of the data isn't that great, just because you're starting the conversation, yes. you're getting people to think. You're getting people to talk to you so there's a, that you're already breaking down any barriers there or you're building engagement. You know, it's, it's just all positive, even if it's only email, even if you mm. don't go that extra, extra step. Mm, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's something which, you know, also I introduce myself in the email. So I send them my CV or my bio so they know, they know who I am. Then again, there's no surprises on both right. sides. It's, it's, it's a kind of, you know, we're meeting, um, and it is a bit of like a blind date, but actually you've seen a picture of me and I and I know a little bit about you and it's not going to be a shock on the day. For I've, never, I've never been on a blind date, so I, I can't, <laughs> that simile means nothing to me. Nor have I actually, but I always think it, I always do, uh, refer to a dating process 
I don't know why, but never mind. Well, so... you've, you've given me a new way of looking at this whole L&D <laughs> thing. So being a detective and then being a date on a blind date. So Yeah, that's a good way to remember it, isn't it? Yeah. So on the day of the date, so when you actually get on the day okay. of the date. So, so we're moving into the next. So the pre-work bit, sorry, the, the, the pre-work bit was, first of all, engaging with the sponsor. And that's the yeah. asking why, drilling down, really asking why. And those three O's, yeah. which I am, I am going to remember this time, they were obstacles, the one I forgot last time, objective and opportunities. Perfect, yeah. So that's really understanding what their objectives are, what their opportunities are from the day and what their obstacles may be. Mm. And then uh, once we've got that sponsorship stuff done, then we move into actually liaising directly with the people are going to be on the course, the delegates, Yeah. E- emailing them, asking them what they want to get, well, introducing yourself, but also asking them what they want to get out of the day and what other relevant research questions. And if necessary, making the phone calls to get that mm. deeper, deeper, more qualitative Mm. information mm. yes that's that, that's absolutely correct that's that's a great summary um so, so now, we're, now we're moving on to the day itself absolutely yes we're on the day of the training i think the first time we spoke about putting the fish on the table um so put so basically the first question i ask all delegates is who are you and what's important to you right now with regards to the training and in this particular training program that i had which was how the whole idea came to me. Somebody actually said, when I asked them, who are you and what's important to you right now? Somebody actually said, well, I don't want to be here. I have to be here because my boss said so. It's a great one that, isn't it? Yeah. And I just said, okay, so let's, let's talk about that. You know, how does it feel that you have to be here? And, um, and how can I help you get something out this training for yourself? And that completely changed the conversation he he felt really validated that I was there for him. So it's about providing personal learning opportunities as well as group opportunities and learnings and really but really publicly recognizing individual and the group. Right. Okay. So this is as you said, the fish on the table thing where you just directly well not I was gonna say challenging, but that's kind of the wrong word. It's just Exploring. Exploring, but yeah, in a very non challenging way, but in a very that I can't I can't think of the phrase, but I'm trying to say that it's non-judgmental. It's 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 non-judgmental, but it's also you're going there, you're going to the place, you're not avoiding anything. No, um, I mean, you know, the 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 thing with um, the phrase, the put the fish on the table, the George from George Colrise's book is is very indicative of let's talk about it, let's not pretend it's not happening. And I think when somebody's saying in a training, I have to be here because my boss said so, you know, there's a lot behind that statement. So if he is going to or she is going to sit there for eight hours for a training, feeling forced to be there, well, that's a waste of my time and a waste of their time. So we better get to it quite quickly. What's the problem? How can we overcome this forced attendance and what they can get out of it? Yeah, I I actually haven't had that for a very long time. Mm. Um, so it is actually, and it doesn't ha- it doesn't happen that often, I don't think. Mm. So I think it's quite good to have a ready-made answer to go. Mm. And I, I really like your way of saying it. Of so, what can I do to help you get something from this? Mm. My natural reaction would be, well, you know, you can go if you want. I, mm. I don't tend to be hugely sympathetic to that sort of thing. Mm. So it's good to know you've given me a, a way there of actually being a bit nicer about it. <laughs> I mean, my, my tendency is to, to rescue. I'm a huge rescuer. But what I've realized through, you know, in the last five years that that rescuing is not positive. You know, they you can help somebody, but 
really you have to help them to help themselves. And um, so I'm not rescuing them. I am not. I am. I suppose that it's it's asking them. Okay, so fine. You can you find some new ideas? Can you generate some some ways in which this can be useful to you? And at the same time, I'm not judging them, but I do preempt now a retaliation sometimes from from participants. Since yeah, do you want want to just talk through that because that's what I was imagining in my mind as well. What might happen? Well, I've had a situation again um, a couple of years ago where people did really retaliate. This was a university that I taught at. Um, and people, I think, if I'm very honest, it's, this was a cultural issue of the very Anglo-Saxon way of working is creating ideas yourself and discussing and thinking rather than the, the French way of just giving information and they regurgitate it. And so this was, this was something which was very culturally very dif- different for them. However, when they first started retaliating, I found that I found myself shrinking I realised, no, it, I have to sort of just, again, put the fish on the table. What is this about? And a lot, often it's got nothing to do with the training or the trainer. It's got to do with the fact that they have to get this qualification or they have to attend this training for X, Y, Z reasons. I don't know. And we have to look at that reason and that before we can go forward. Right. So even in a retaliation uh, situation, yep. you're still taking the same approach, essentially, that kind of non-judgmental, almost kind of fake innocence in the way that you're just exploring the issue and deliberately not getting an emotional reaction to it. Yeah, I think, you know, it's about being mindful of your ego and your reputation. I think it's really being mindful of your ego because actually when somebody says, I don't want to be here, your first instinct is to say, well, oh my God, I'm, this is, you know, this is my training's going to fail or how dare you say that? You know, there's, and it's really about your ego is about, you know, is, is really has to be completely away from what's going on. It has to be focused on the participant. What is it about them? Communicate to them what the reason why you're here and why they need to engage. It's about validating them and motivating them. Yeah, it's an interesting point about the ego. Because I think, you know, if I, I would tend to have a, ne- a negative reaction to that, not necessarily because of my own ego so much as more because I kind of think of it as being a bit whiny. Yeah. And I, I just think, well, you know, you have a go in it with good grace or you just or you don't. Mm. So that would be kind of my response to that would be very judgmental, basically, based on my own assumptions, completely judgmental, I admit. And that's that's why I'm saying I like the idea of the kind of you take the ego out of it because the ego includes my judgments and my assumptions and my prejudices. And but it's it's not it's not easy. I mean, I personally, I think training is a gift. I really think how lucky these people are that their company's investing in them for a day. Yeah. And and when when people don't come back to me with the pre-work, when people say, I don't want to be here, you know, my first, I would say previously, my first reactions were, oh, my God, how ungrateful. But there is something behind the, that, those statements. There is really something behind those statements. And actually, when people say to me, when I've sent sometimes the pre-work to delegates, and they've said, why do you want this? I, I actually see that as, as really good feedback because it gives me an opportunity to say, well, the reason I want it is I want to know you better so that I can help you better. And I would say that, you know, this is again about being very mindful of your ego. It's not an attack on your work or a criticism of your work or a non-engagement. It's a real question and questions are good. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Just taking it at that kind of innocent level of this is just a question. It's not any kind of attack. No. And then you're creating that in a way by saying to somebody, okay, so you're, and I, I, this happened to me when I said, okay, so you're, 
here because your boss forced you to be here. How does that feel? And he said, well, you know, for me, the training, this training is too late. We should have had it five years ago. And I said, I understand. So what can we do about this now? Nothing, of course, but it's creating a feedback cycle. So there's a constant exchange of information. That exchange of information, whether it's positive or negative, there's an exchange. There is a there is a dialogue going through. So that's good. Yeah, you're still because you're validating that person's feelings. You're letting them express them. Yes. And then you're then you're looking for a path forward. Absolutely. And and as you said, not taking it personally or making any kind of swift judgment or any judgments you are making, you're hiding and pretending yes. you're not. And and then also you think about you know how that. I mean, I'm very focused on 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 the trainee that day. And for me, it's it, I, for me, I really am thinking about the person in the room and and their level of self esteem. And just thinking about how they're feeling at the moment about being dragged into a training program when they thought they should have had it five years ago. And the context, the economic context is so difficult that they don't know if they're going to have their job by the end of the year. Well, that's tough. So it's about making that day very special and about them really lifting their 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 spirits that day and really focusing on on them and trying to create a win-win situation for the participants and for the sponsor. Yeah, I just want to add on to this point, actually, because when you said that there's a reasons behind that, and I thought, well, maybe sometimes there isn't. Maybe it is just a person whining away. But I think if you if you take the attitude that there's a good reason behind that and you still do those behaviours that you were talking about, that's still the most positive way forward, mm, mm. Even, if, even if there is no good reason. Mm, absolutely. Because... You know, in coaching, there's no judgment, and I and I often think in training, they should. They sh- I think that's why I'm not a very good coach. <laughs> well, you, you, I, 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 I think that it's just it's like anything; it's a muscle. You just have to sort of practice, and you get and it gets it gets stronger. But um, I think as a trainer as well, there has to be non-judgment because your focus is to impart knowledge, impart your expertise make sure that they are getting what they want out of the training. And by doing that, it has to be about them and not about you. Yeah, absolutely. And at the moment, we're talking, we're in the middle section, we're talking about what actually happens on the day. And you started this session by um, talking about why people want to be here. Mm. And we've gone, we've had a bit of a side conversation there just about what happens when someone says that they don't actually, Mm. Mm. that their boss sent them. What else would be in this bit, this, you know, actually turning up on the day bit? Well, what I tend to do is when they've given me the pre-work, the delegates, I use some of the information that they've given me and they present it. Um, So it could be a story. It could be a case study. So something that they've prepared in the pre-work, they will actually use in the training. Again, this is something that they've created. It's all about them. It's not something that I've given them. Sometimes I've used a case study that somebody has given me within the training group so i'm bringing in their material their world into the training room right so that's part of that pre-work so you're joining the two things up yes and you'll always do something that's based on some kind of case study or something that relates back to their objective i guess yeah absolutely i also another thing i try and do as well is 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 break up any sort of in groups so if people are sitting next to somebody that they work with all the time I always say the rule is you have to work with somebody you don't know very well. Again, with the pre-work, I've actually done my homework and I've seen, I will investigate who doesn't know 
and uh, somebody very well and who works with each other a lot. That requires a different type of listening, uh, a different type of engagement. They, sometimes you find that they have similar problems in, the, in different departments. But also I find what is interesting is I do exercises where the other person has to present the other person's work. So you have two, a pair and they've discussed each other's maybe case study or whatever sheet or presentation. But person A will present person B's work. And person B will present person A's work. Do you want to explain why? Listening. It means that they have to focus and they have to listen to each other. And it means they're participating. And they're understand. I guess they're... Understanding. I was, yeah, I was going to say understanding, but then I was thinking also that if you explain to me your case study, I also... There's, there's an extra layer of understanding there because I'm thinking, well, why are you choosing that? Yeah. And as well helps could give me insight because that might be something that I wouldn't choose because I think well that's not very challenging so there's two things going on there's one the the work is something it's in their context and they've already prepared it secondly they're working for somebody maybe across another function but in the same company then they're having to explain their context to somebody who's in a who's in, in another department and they are seeing the similarities and the differences and maybe the challenges they're both facing. And they have to listen. And that means there has to be engagement. They have to focus. They have to concentrate. It means they're present. Just on the seating arrangements that you mentioned there, do you do this thing where you tell people where to sit when they come in or is it sort of like pre-assigned seating? Do you wait till they're sat down and then tell them to move about? What's, what's the sort of mechanics behind that? And the only reason I, I say that is because I know people sometimes get quite funny about things like that. Yeah, I don't get them to sit down in, in pre-assigned seats when they come in. I get them to move um, after we've done the introductions, what's important. It's like a warm-up, a chat. Once we've introduced ourselves informally, once we've got to know each other a little bit better, maybe we've discussed the menu of the day, we've contracted, then I would get them to to change seats. Oh, right. So they just do it themselves? Well, no, I'd get them to change seats and sit next to somebody in a different department. and. Very often, I mean, I would say 99% of the time they sit next to somebody in a different department. It's very, very unusual for somebody to not move or disobey the trainer. Yeah, yeah. I I'm, I would imagine it would be quite unusual that. But sometimes people can react a bit, can react in a kind of a funny way to being managed in that way. So I think it just I think it just has to be done fairly sensitively, that's all. Yeah, and and again, I think that's, again, a real, that's quite significant. Why are people funny? You know, for me, if they were if they were reluctant, it would be what's going on on the team. Why don't they want to move? What's go- you know? What is it about talking to somebody else? You know, these are all this is all data. They're all indicators of what's going on. So, any, anything else in this section on the what actually when when you turn up on the day itself? I would just say what's really important is to create a win win environment by using the training program to really build participants' self worth and self esteem. I think the world of work is so complicated. Now, things are changing, changing so fast, context changing so fast, you know, nothing's permanent. And if for eight hours in in, in the, that day, you can create something for them and really validate them. I think that's the key. Validation, actually, I would say is the number one thing. Are you able to sort of give us an example of that when you say create a win-win environment? Obviously, that sounds very positive. But what does it actually mean in terms of practical stuff that you'd be doing? Well, if I take an example about intercultural training that I did last year, and one of the ladies who didn't want to be in the training 
stopped, I think, during the first half, discussed her case study about working in India. And we weren't actually using India as a target country. And what I invited her to do in the second half of the day is talk about her experience in India, uh, working with Indians rather, and how, how it impacted her. Now that gave her huge validation. She got up, she spoke, and people were so pleased with the feedback because she was saying that she thought she'd failed, she found it very difficult, etc., etc. So that's what I mean about a win-win situation. I didn't do it straight away. I didn't think she was ready. But it's creating an environment where people can speak, they're heard, there's an interaction, and giving them the space. You know, it's not me telling her story, it's her telling her story. That's an interesting example. It is reinforcing that idea about validation. What? How? Just, just to give you a more challenging example here, if this happened to me on a training course uh, a few months ago, somebody just outright rejected what was the main point of that piece of the course. And my my reaction, I wanted to challenge them because I thought their thinking was quite... They weren't willing to challenge themselves. They were just saying, this is impossible, it can't be done. And I, I my own reaction to that was very much, well, yes, it can. You, I don't know your personal circumstances, but you need to challenge, your, you challenge yourself. I didn't say that mm. exactly. Mm. Um, I went down the route of just a much gentler way of doing it. But in terms of validation... Mm. that person's approach to the to to that to the course mm. i can i what i'm trying to say i suppose is validating that to me could have felt more damaging because i felt like it needed to be challenged well you could say thank you for that comment that's a great comment right it's, it's feedback that that's a validation thank you that's a great comment could you tell me more about why you think it's not going to work right so just engaging it again with it even though so you're not validating necessarily their opinion, but you're validating their right to express it. Exactly. You know, um, I mean, I, I had a very, very angry participant in one of my training courses last year, the beginning of last year. And in the group contract, uh, one of the things uh, I wrote is that everything's confidential, which is I always write that. And I'm going to challenge you. That's what I'm here for. And then they write, then they add and, and discuss other things that we put in the group contract. At one stage, this guy said to me, I think you're, I think you're very, somebody was talking, they're presenting something and I was asking questions while she was presenting. And he said, you're very, very rude. And, um, and I don't like the way you're talking and you're interrupting people. And it was really hard. That was really, I mean, he was shouting at me. Yeah. And I just said to the, I, I looked at the person who was presenting and I said to her, do you, are you perceiving me as being rude by interrupting you? She said, no. And I said, well, I'm sorry. She's not perceiving me as being rude. This is my job. I have to challenge you. This is my job. I have to explore things. Is that okay with you? And he quietened down, but it was hard. It was hard. But I, I asked the question. I think validation is, I mean, I suppose in a way he was trying to devalidate my, my existence there. But actually for him, I was being rude by interrupting somebody presenting in his mind. So he has a right to say, not the way he said it, but he has a right to say that I would, that it's, it's wrong. But I then just told him very calmly, this is my job, which he accepted. That's a, that's a really, really interesting example because that must have been quite stressful. It was horrible. In that moment. Yeah, God, I imagine. Yeah, I was, uh, my skin was creeping just thinking about it. But you know what I think, but I knew that... 
being a diplomat, he did not like the fact that he was interrupted. That's his con. That that was the context that was coming in. He, you know, they he came from a a, a, a domain where people talk and then you talk afterwards. That you don't interrupt. And he saw me questioning the the uh, his colleague as interrupting her, not getting her to think about what she was saying, not trying. This, he didn't take it as a learning experience. And that's that's fair enough. That's that's what he believes. And it's just getting you know because we have to always get back on track. We have a job to do. So that's why I think sometimes validation also can kind of cut nip it in the bud and get back on track. Yeah, it's a good point because obviously a lot of what we do is challenging people and it is asking questions, what I always refer to as the PBA, which is the point of becoming annoying, <laughs> where in normal social life, you wouldn't ask those additional questions. You, you, you know, if you're just having a drink with somebody or whatever, you accept a lot more. You don't really challenge people that much. Whereas when you're in that job, you do have to risk crossing the PBA and actually becoming annoying because it's it's just not socially acceptable. It's quite an unusual approach to take. So it's 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 one of my favourite parts of the job because you have to be really quite skilled to get it right. But if your contracting is right, then you're okay. Yeah, I mean that's absolutely. Yeah, you go back to the contract because when people start saying, "Oh, you go, you go," I just flip back to my flip chart first page. I say, "Look at the group contract. We agreed that I would be challenging." I, I I said that right at the beginning, and that was all agreed. You all agreed on that. Now let's go on. Yeah, and you mentioned contracting in the last podcast, didn't you? About the uh, when we're talking about diversity, and you know, it, it, I don't always do it personally. I don't always do contracting in a formal, written up sort of sense, but I do have an initial discussion about expectations, and it includes mm. the the things like confidentiality, includes the willingness to challenge and be challenged, mm. and and then you have to obviously be up for being challenged yourself as well mm, um, absolutely so, so you're absolutely right if you've had those conversations early and people always agree mm. at that point so I think if you've done that yes it does give you the space to do that but I really enjoy that part of the job I think because it's because it's so skillful it's so difficult to get right mm. you know you kind of have to be the change you want to see in the people in, in the delegates yeah in the participants I mean I attended a stress balance uh, workshop um, about three or four years ago and we were doing a mindfulness exercise in the beginning and then something happened. There were about 20 of us. And then something happened sort of during the workshop and we all started talking. And the trainer told us to shut up. <laughs> I just thought, hang on, this is stress and balance. And, you know, she got really cross. And I just, you know, that for me is a no-no. Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> it's a good story though, isn't it? It gives you a good story. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so that's on the day. Great. Okay. Well, thank you for that. So that's very much about that con um, the contracting stuff, the, the, the having those really early conversations about the why people really want to be there and validating, creating that win-win environment, which doesn't mm -hmm. mean you which doesn't mean you can't challenge, mm. but it is a case of validating people's right to say whatever they say and input the way they input. But mm. but as I say, it doesn't doesn't tie your hands in terms of challenge. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And. You know, like anything, beginnings and endings are very important. So the beginning with, you know, as I said, for me, it's the contracting and the many of the day and, and sort of asking people who they are and why they're here. And I would, again, say at the end, I, I offer, I invite people if they want to contact me um, online and they want some more information about a topic, they can have it. If they've asked me for an article, I will send it to them. That's important as well. That's part of the validation. Right. Okay. So that's still on the day itself, but just at the end of the day. 
just at the end of the day. Right. So giving people that opportunity to have extra engagement with you. Yeah. Great. Okay. Yeah. And then moving on to the last bit, which is the bit about the what happens after the day itself. So in the in the subsequent, is it, is it hours, days, weeks? What kind of time scale are you talking about? It depends on the on the sponsor. I always offer the opportunity to meet me afterwards, either on we can speak on the phone or Skype or uh, or face to face. It won't be a written report. I'd like to have some sort of contact, whether it's on the phone or face-to-face about what happened on the day and I give feedback without breaking confidentiality so to the sponsor to the sponsor yeah I don't give um so if somebody has told me something very personal I wouldn't tell I would personally wouldn't tell the sponsor if uh because that's I talk about the topic in hand and the the subject that I'm in I was employed to I was in yeah employed to, to to deliver but um I wouldn't go into anything deeply confidential or deeply personal. Right, but you will have a uh, a non-written, which could be face-to-face, could be over phone or Skype or whatever, but you would have a, some sort of non-written feedback with the sponsor. Absolutely. But as you say, everything anonymized exactly. appropriately. And I would go through what they liked, what issues came up, uh, what the sponsor needs to be aware of, what HR needs to be aware of. I will go through some tips or maybe some some ideas for them that they could explore and I would I would say to them that really this is what for future recommendations I think this is what they need a b c or d whatever but I would um not leave them hanging after a training course for one of the one of my clients last year I actually wrote a report for them because they asked me for one because they did the same training in Singapore. So the trainer in Singapore had my report and, of course, vice versa, that, that we have his report. And that was really, that was really good. That's really, I think it's a, it's a nice way to sort of finish everything off for, for the sponsor. Just for the sake of clarity, you said that you wouldn't do the written report. I'm presuming that you would also back all of this up in writing as well. Yeah. And what, what, what you mean is that you would get the, the much more uh, engaging, what am I trying to say? You get the much more engaging communication of of face to face or yes or, or phone yeah but not not that you wouldn't produce a written summary. not unless they asked me not unless they asked, and I was asked this time to write a written report for this for this client but no other no other client has asked me to write a written report I would oh really yeah because I would want I, I would enjoy the conversation but I'd say I need this I need if you're going to get detail into my brain you have to write it down there was actually now you're saying this I. About two years ago, I worked for a company, and one thing really insignificantly significant came up in the training was the managers. I felt were it really was a do as I say policy, but don't do as I do. And so we were talking about something about presence and influence and active listening. And both managers came in with their computers, with their laptops, uh, while they were doing the training. And that's, and yeah, and I thought, I thought, you know, and I actually said to them, you know, either you work or you stay, but you can't do both. And I was, that feedback I actually gave in writing to the HR and the sponsor saying that, you know, that's really important that the collaborators know that the managers are the models. You can't have a training, you can't ask for a training and then the, the managers are not, 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 not present. They have to be really present. And that was taken on board. That really was, and it wasn't I, for me. It wasn't a criticism. It was just a, 
a kind of you you're the model for behavior in the, in the company yeah that's definitely worth saying yeah as people don't always realize that no no they don't they were they were they were they you know it was always this has to be done for yesterday and i'm really stressed out and i've got to do it and i don't need this training date at the moment but you know well unfortunately or unfortunately it's booked this day and that's that's the way it goes um and i give people choice i always give people choice so i, I like i and i was very calm you can stay and, and put your pc away or you can leave and i think that's another thing about validating people when you give them choice yeah it's a good point I, I do sometimes think that we should give people training about how to be on training courses oh gosh and it would include include put your bloody phone away when especially when a middle of talking yeah as well as, could you please smile and not look bored? Yeah. I do say put your phones away in the contract. Do you? Yeah. When I contract, I say put your phones away. Can we have a sort of a, uh, can we, di- can we, can we can disconnect to connect? That's what I say. Do you? That's, yeah. I'll, I might steal that. <laughs> you can. <laughs> as regards the post-course bit and, and actually engaging with the delegates themselves, the people that are on the training course, you're essentially saying that you'd be quite reactive and that you would you know, give them your details, offer to have contacts, but you would make them do the work. There's no other action that you're taking. No, no. Right, you're just making yourself available. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Exactly. In a long-winded way. Yeah, exactly. So most of your post-work is going to be with the sponsor. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't meet any of the participants. I mean, some of the participants have contacted me. They either say, thanks for the training. It was brilliant. Uh, could you give me some resources about this? It's fine. It's perfect. If I have a resource about stress and balance or day-to-day delegation, I'm really happy to share. And, you know, and if they if they feel inspired or they've really enjoyed the training, fantastic. It's wonderful. You made a difference. Yeah, it's always nice to hear back, isn't it? Yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, that, the fact that, but I think I really believe this sort of pre, on the day and post is really, really essential. And I actually think more and more of my training is the pre-work has to be really crystal clear. I'm going, tra- I'm going to Basel next week for a training program. And I would say that 70% of the work is done already. Right, just with the pre-work and the pre-engagement. Yeah. yeah. I've been on the, I've spoken to all the direct reports. I've spoken to the sponsor. I've had a chat with HR. Um, I have a weekly telephone call with the, 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 the sponsor. I mean, it's only 10 minutes. And I think, yes, it is, it, you, you can, I think sometimes what happens is we can perceive it as trainers as, God, time is money, and this is taking a lot of my time. But actually, it makes sense, because when you get, when you're on the day, it's just, it flows. I just thought of another podcast we could do, which is how to design great pre-work. Yeah, happy to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to do that one as well. Exactly. I'm going to try and summarise where we've got so far, so you can test whether I've been listening properly. Mm-hmm. So... You're talking about pre-work, and mm. in the pre-work stuff, we, what, what we mean by pre-work is we're talking about anything before the day itself. Mm. And you initially started talking on about how you would engage with the sponsor, mm. and you would really drill down, ask them why, and really try and understand mm. why they wanted the training, your three O's of mm. objective, opportunity, and obstacles. Mm. And after that, we talked about pre-work with the, the delegates, the learners themselves. Mm. And this was very much about engaging with them, breaking the ice and introducing mm. yourself, but also giving them some stuff to do so they already get thinking about things mm. and obviously thinking about their objective, why they're going to be on the on the actual course itself. Mm. Then we're on the day itself. Mm. So you're welcoming people in and um, you're doing the kind of ground rule stuff. Mm. 
But then it's very much about creating that win-win environment where you're validating people. As I've previously said, I feel like I'm repeating myself, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about the validating people and still challenging them, of course, but allowing them that, you know, well, validating them. But, you know, you know, John, that's what it is. It's validation, validation, validation. That's what it is. I know. I can't think of a better way of saying I was trying to find another word to sound more articulate and I'm just, I can't. Um, the other thing you said then again as, as well was at that very beginning bit about going into people's objectives of why they're there. Mm. And if people are saying, oh, I'm just here because my boss made me, mm. a- again, validating but challenging, mm. uh, but working together for a solution. How can I make this work for you? You talked about that. Mm. And then in the, in the, in the post workshop uh, period, mm. it's, well, sorry, at the end of the actual training day itself, it's about making yourself available. So the people giving them contact details, giving them information about who you are so mm. that they can um, they can contact you. Mm. But then you said in the post wit, it was about engaging with the sponsor themselves verbally as much as possible. So you can have a proper conversation, engaging conversation and really giving them anonymized feedback about what happened and some ways to take it all forward. It was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, as a summary, as uh, my, my memory is not going completely. No, not, today, not at all. That's absolutely perfect. That's 51 minutes of recording, and I remembered it all. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I hope it's useful. No, it was good. It was good, and I think that's a really good idea for another podcast as well about how to do the pre-work. I think we'll uh, I, I will, we'll talk about that later. Okay, lovely. Great. Well, thank you very much, Sunita. Thank you, John. Have a good week in Basel, and looking forward to seeing you on here again. Thanks so much, John. Take good care.